am so glad to welcome you tonight. It's hard to even say night because it's so beautiful outside. Um, I am a different person when it's sunny outside. Anyone feel like that? Like the true you is now coming out? Um, so we here at Hope Community as a staff are becoming um, Enneagram dorks, which Enneagram is like a personality test, okay? And I am a one, which means I tend to be very serious all the time. But when I'm feeling secure, I move to the number seven, which is what Frankie is and Colby is. Um, basically, anyone you know who loves to party, they're a seven. And, and I thought, how can I explain this in a way that doesn't have to do with numbers because that sounds weird? It's like when it's winter, I'm Monica. And when the sun shines, I turn into Joey. Okay? That's the be- I was like, I'm out on my walk, getting ready for service, and that is the best way to describe it. So I don't know about you, but I am super excited for us to be together, that the weather's changing, and um, it seems like everyone just kind of comes alive. I was at Chambers Bay before service, and you could not find a parking spot. There are so many people there just having a great time, and it's like, it's not even that warm, but there are people on picnic blankets, like laying out in the sun, and... I just thought it, Washingtonians just know how to make the best of things. Um, so tonight, we're going to continue our series that we've been in called I Am, where we're looking at um, the character of Jesus through the book of Luke. And uh, tonight, what I'm going to be talking to you about is this story about this sinful woman who brought this very precious gift to Jesus. Um, And I'm very encouraged by this passage because as I was studying it over the last few weeks, um, I think there's something for everyone in it. So we'll pray and get started there. And if uh, if you have a Bible with you or on your phone, we're going to be in Luke 7. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you for your presence in worship. God, that you are moving in this church and you are moving in University Place in Tacoma. Lord, I pray that this word would equip us, Lord, to better represent you, to be more like you, and to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to start in verse 36 of Luke 7. If you are opening a paper Bible, you're going to go almost all the way to the right, so you have about a half inch left, and Luke is somewhere in there. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we'll break it up verse by verse. So it says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had, who had invited him saw this, the Pharisee said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? 
Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? So as we start out today and go verse by verse, I want you to see if you can find yourself in this story which character you identify with. So the first, verse 36, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, Jesus went ahead and went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat with him. And I want to, to, uh, if any of you are familiar with the Bible, I want to remind you that this story begins with a Pharisee inviting Jesus, not with ulterior motive, to his house to eat. My notes say, not all Pharisees are stinkers. Okay, Pharisees get a bad rap. They are a lot of times the um, uh, people against Jesus in the Gospels as presented. But I want to remind you that here at the very top of the story, the writer is reminding the reader not to paint with a broad brush. Just because an individual belongs to a certain group of people we don't respect, that doesn't mean they aren't interested in Jesus and he and them. Jesus honored the Pharisee with his presence and allowed the Pharisee to serve and welcome him. It's no mistake that that is at the very top of the story. Verse 37 says, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And a woman who's lived a sinful life, we understand reading the original Greek, means someone who had been a prostitute, someone who had had many lovers. So that's the kind of sin we're talking about in this context. Um, And so her presence at a Pharisee's house, Pharisees were, um, they weren't like uh, pastors. They They were like if, There were unpaid people who made their life's work knowing the scriptures. Okay, so they weren't employed. They weren't necessarily like working for the Jewish religious leaders. But what they were were people who were experts in what God's word had to say. And if you were in a podunk town or you were in a place that maybe didn't have um, a religious leader from Jerusalem, the capital... A Pharisee would be someone you would go to and say, is this right or wrong? Okay, so they're um, uh, volunteer experts in God's word. All of that to say, this is the very last place she should be. The last place that she should want to be, that it is appropriate for her to be. It is the last place she should be. But she hears that Jesus is there. And she goes to the last place she should be, and she comes with her greatest gift. 
alabaster. I'll never forget the first time I saw alabaster. We were on vacation in Rhode Island, and we were, because we are, I keep using the word dork, but we're like a dorky family, um, and we're like educational about all our vacations, and so um, homeschooled, you know, and um, and so we went to Newport, Rhode Island, where we toured historical houses for vacation. Okay, everyone tracking with me? Lots of fun. Only went to Disneyland once, but we toured historical places every single summer. And I love it that way. I'm so on track with that, Mom and Dad. Um, but <laughs> in Newport, Rhode Island, it's where all of the richest people from New York had a lot of their summer houses. And we're in this house that is like the size of a city, and it's stories upon stories, and this pink alabaster, it looks like marble, but you can partly see through it. I mean, it's just gorgeous, and they're pink, and they're like four stories tall, and I thought, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. That's what we're talking about, an alabaster jar. Yeah, do you remember? Yeah, Newport, Rhode Island. Um, They're like, we were there. Um, It's burned in my brain, but this alabaster jar of perfume would have cost a tremendous amount of money, possibly if you weren't wealthy, all the money you could have saved in your life. And my understanding or um, idea about this is that it was possibly a dowry, which is a gift that you would pay a woman's dad to marry her. Um, So she comes the last place she should be with her greatest gift. I hope you're tracking with me. I know that was convoluted. But this is what I think she may be saying. I don't have my purity to bring, but I have the pretty jar that was supposed to come with it. And that is what I have to offer you. I feel like that alabaster jar of perfume is the symbol of the life that could have been. Or the symbol of the life that should have been. And she can't come before Jesus and say, see, I've lived my life the way I should have. And this is what she has to give instead. So it says, as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured the perfume on them. This is such a great sign of deference, because for a man and and women in that culture, your feet were the dirtiest part of you. Every time you came to someone's house, they were supposed to offer you water to wash your feet, touching someone's feet. Because you imagine, they're in sandals. Have you ever um, been around someone who wears sandals all the time, smelled the sandals, or smelled their feet? I have a kid who's adorable and perfect, but when her feet have been in sandals, I'm like, you better not come near me. It is not, it's not nice smelling, you know, and we're hygienic. Back then, it's like they probably bathed once a year. Anyway, the point is, feet were nast, and they were considered very unclean. And a woman's hair was her crowning glory. A woman's hair would have stayed up or covered, and she would have only taken it down if she was a prostitute, or she would have taken it down for her husband in the evening. And that's it. So what we're seeing in this picture is the most glorious part of her that she has to offer touching the dirtiest part of him. 
Do you see the position she's putting herself in? It's this sign of deference that's saying, my best part is only worthy to clean your worst part. She kissed and anointed his feet. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him. What kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Anytime you're reading the Bible and you see the words he said to himself, just have a siren go off in your head. All over the Bible, when someone, and he thought in his heart, and he thought to himself, and they said amongst themselves, it like danger, you are off track. It turns out that our brains are not a helpful echo chamber to stay in. And usually, before someone takes a big misstep in the Bible, you will catch somewhere down the line, uh, he said to himself. It's something to do with our initial reactions to things that are not the way God would think about things. So he says to himself, he has a private conversation. Everyone right now is having a private conversation in their head about what I'm saying right now. Right? This is his... (laughs) Thank you. Like, yes, I am. This is his private conversation. He said to himself, I should be able to know if this guy is a good guy by who he does and doesn't associate with. That's what he's thinking. I want it to be clear. I want to know. And because you're associating with her, you can't be the person that I'm supposed to associate with. Jesus, in his gentle way, says, Simon, I have something to tell you. So kind. Uh, and Simon says, sorry, I have, it, I have the wrong thing, Italian size. And Simon says, tell me, teacher. Simon is still showing respect and even willing to learn. And Jesus' way is still gentle. Jesus is matching Simon's softness and willing to teach him, even as Simon is getting it wrong. And that's important, too. This is what he says. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. I've heard it described this way. One person owed him $100,000 and the other person $10,000. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And I think the point of this, and this is very important because it's probably the thesis statement of this whole passage is, neither of them had the money to pay. It didn't matter how deep the debt was, no one's capacity was enough to get their debt forgiven. Poor baby. But he forgave them both. He, the moneylender, who we realize is an example of Jesus, has all the power, ability, capacity, and resource. It is in his hands alone. None is in the hands of those who owe debt. And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgive him, forgiven would love him more. And Jesus says, of course, you're right. Someone is much more grateful for being forgiven $100,000 than ten. And I think what's funny about this is Simon is so easily 
uh, able to judge the story when it is removed from his own context. Is that not the truth of our lives? When it's happening to us, there's all sorts of reasons we have for knowing why we did what we did. But when you remove the story from our brains and Jesus explains it separately, it's clear as day what's going on. When it's not happening in front of us, in general, life is easy to judge. To see the right answer, to choose the right thing, when it's all hypothetical, we all do the right thing. Am I right? Uh, We all follow Jesus. We all hit the easy button uh, on, you know, the Staples easy button. We're like, boom, I know what the right answer is. It is harder when we ourselves are tangled up in the situation. Jesus is using a story, as he often does, to remove the players from their situation so they can see clearly. Then he brings the situation and applies it to what's happening right in front of him. This actually is the key to reading the Bible. We read it, we say, What happened then? It's all very clear who we should be worshiping. And then we step back and say, how does it apply to my situation today? Jesus turns toward the woman and says to the Pharisee, Simon, do you see her? The way she's worshiping me. The way she has not stopped anointing me and kissing me and showing deference to me. And there has not been one moment in this evening, I'm paraphrasing, that you have done the same. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. And I think the idea is, what I came away with was this. You can't worship Jesus while your attention is on what anyone else is doing. Like, on anyone else's debts. You can't... I don't mean money. (laughs) Like... Put your hands up, worship Jesus, put him over the, and then you go, but then I'm like, you can't, you can't do both. You can't do both. You have to choose one or the other. And we would all, of course, say, of course, I should be worshiping Jesus. But when it comes to this situation, we want to be able to know that like we're in the right And this story is telling us that no one's debts, that no one could pay off their own debt, whether it's little or whether it's big. We are helpless to pay off our own debt. I wrote in my journal this week, this woman is what I want to be. Her humility and thankfulness for being in Jesus' presence. Remember that all of this happens before he's even told her she's forgiven. He hasn't done anything for her yet. He hasn't made everything right for her. She just recognizes his place and her place. Her heart to just love on him and serve him in a place she should be afraid to go Right into her shame, she brings her gift to Jesus. Her excitement and humility overwhelm any sense of self-protection or pride. This is what Jesus says. 
Her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love for me has shown. I feel like he's saying you can tell how much sin, like how much debt someone's been forgiven by their gratitude afterward. Sorry, her great, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Okay, now this is the part where I'm going to tell you, you're going to say, is it A or is it B? And I'm going to answer purple. Who said it? Is it A or is it B? I'm going to answer purple. Am I the Pharisee or am I the woman? Right? I told you to try to find yourself in the story. In reality, we are both people in this story. Well, we're not Jesus, but we're either the Pharisee or the woman. The truth is, okay, we are all the woman. She's seeing reality as it really is, which is that her many sins need forgiveness. But she also comes with boldness because we already have been forgiven when we acknowledge Jesus. So we're the woman, every single one of us, on our best day and on our worst day. We are the woman. But we also tend to think more like this Pharisee, easily forgetting our true position before God, what has been forgiven us and needs forgiving each day. And the funny thing about this story, the irony is that the one showing the proper right and holy response is the sinful woman. This Pharisee, the holy, exacting, and vigilant Pharisee, is the one who totally misses the forest for the trees. He's worried about the details of who deserves what and who's lived up to what, but he can't do that and worship Jesus at the same time. So she's been the one worshiping. The truth is that we are all living in grace. We don't need to be hyper aware of what is or isn't proper in the lives of other people. Because what's true is that it is none of our business. That we need to be distracted by our worship for Jesus. And our gratitude at what he's done for us. Rather than being exacting about what he's doing in other people. And what I want you to see, too, is that Jesus is gently teaching everyone. His heart is for this woman, and it's for Simon the Pharisee. What he is doing, he is doing for both of them. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And the other guests... Listen, begin to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? People are watching. And what Jesus does, he wants to do publicly for all to see. They're left asking, who is this? That's the real question of this passage at the end. Who is he? Is he the one who's forgiven your sin? Is he the one who has given you the greatest gift? What does his presence here 
right now in our lives mean for us? And how will we respond to how he's moving? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He doesn't say that to Simon because I think Simon is still on his journey. (laughs) But what I love is that this peace that he's giving is not, it's not just that he's giving it. He is it. The woman and Jesus are now in relationship. They've come together. They're in communion. There's nothing separating them. C.S. Lewis said, God can't give you happiness or joy or peace apart from himself because there is no such thing. Peace, that word shalom uh, from the Hebrew, is wholeness, fulfillment, completeness, communion. It's not just feeling peaceful about things. It means our relationship with him has been repaired. Peace is him himself. So Colby, will you come up and just play behind me a little bit? Tonight, I think we might fall in. I have three different camps we might fall in. And what this is, and the reason why I have Colby play, is because this is a time for contemplation and reflection. I tend to contemplate better when I'm not listening to all the ambient noise, which is why we have Colby giving us the mood music tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> but uh, some of us tonight feel like we're the sinful woman. We're thinking about the life that could have been or should have been. And I feel like the Lord is just, I love what Mike said earlier, like he wants to sit next to you. If you'll fall at his feet, worship him, give your best in deference to him. He is ready to receive, forgive, And can I tell you that however much your shame has propelled you to do good things or to accomplish things or to change your ways, can I encourage you tonight that maybe shame has run its course in your life. And it's time to leave it down now. Shame is not supposed to be your God either. Some of us tonight are the Pharisee. If we're honest, we've maybe lost sight of what our position is before Jesus. And we've turned our attention toward others. The passage says, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. But the joke is on us because there is no one who has been forgiven little. We've all been forgiven much. And we need to come to the Lord and say, for me, this is my prayer tonight. I want to be like this woman. I don't want to be thinking about what anyone else is doing. I don't want to be counting other people's stuff. I just want to worship you. And then some of us tonight are the crowd. 
It's so funny that there's just one little line about the crowd of people standing around at the end saying, who dis? That was for you guys. What am I witnessing? (laughs) What even happened here tonight? Do I follow him or hang back? And tonight, some of us, it's time to say yes. It's time to say, I'll follow. It's time to say, I want to be forgiven much. Jesus, if this is who you are, if this is your attitude toward the worst sinner that that time could contemplate, then I'm going to say yes to you because you are good. Wherever you find yourself today, Jesus' response to you is gentle and it is kind. He is willing to teach us, guide us, and show us our true position. And he's also willing to show us the true weight of what he offers us. So we're going to take a minute now to just reflect, and then I'm going to pray for us. So tonight, are you feeling like you're the sinful woman? That you're the Pharisee or you're the crowd? And let's just reflect. I feel led to just share something to kind of tell on myself today. Um, Yesterday, I, as we do, posted an Instagram story that had the word lucky in it. And I got a message from someone today who I love and respect very much saying, you should not use the word luck. You should say blessed because that's what you have been. And I tried to explain my use of the word lucky Um, and that my social media account is for people who don't know Jesus to help hopefully come to know him as opposed to pleasing people who already know him. But on my walk before service as I was preparing to speak to you, I kept thinking of things I could say. I kept thinking of ways that I could respond and prove that I did in in fact have the religious upper hand on this person which I don't. And this is what I felt like, haha, like I'm preaching out of this today. Yes, it's hilarious what God does. But the Lord said, Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. would you just please be the woman? Don't, it doesn't matter. Don't bother about who's right or wrong or has the upper hand or is doing it right or is doing, would you just bring your gift to me and worship me. 
And I feel like maybe this week, God is going to start setting off a little alarm bell in your head when you're going down that road. And you're going to hear him say, would you just be the woman? Would you just worship me because I've forgiven you? Lord Jesus, tonight, God, your word inspires us to love you more. To love you, Jesus, for who you are. That you walked on earth and you acted this way. So kind to the woman at your feet and so kind to the Pharisee who was asking questions. Jesus, you are kind. Lord, for those of us who've been living with shame and thinking about what could have been or should have been and it's been eating us alive, Lord Jesus, we accept your forgiveness tonight. Lord, we look shame in the face and for however it has propelled us to this moment, Lord, we say goodbye. We don't need you anymore because we have found the real thing. For those of us tonight who are feeling like, I'm the Pharisee, oh Lord Jesus, your mercy, your mercy, Lord, for forgetting that we have been forgiven much. It's not about shame or focusing on the terrible things we've done, but Lord, it is about acknowledging what you have done and the great grace you have given every single one of us. Would you help us keep our eyes on you? And Lord Jesus, if there's anyone tonight who is in the crowd... (laughs) standing back and saying, what is happening? Are you a good guy or a bad guy? Lord, I believe that there are hearts in this room tonight, Lord, who want to say, you are my God. I do want to follow you, and I want this forgiveness, this letting go of shame and debt that I've been carrying. And if that's you tonight, if we could all close our eyes and bow our heads. If that's you tonight, will you just raise your hand and say, Lord, that's me. I want to say yes to you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're good. Lord, where we know your word, where we read about you, God, that's all we need. It's just to know you. And Lord Jesus, tonight, as a community gathered, Lord, we say that you have done it all. And that we have no ability to make things right, to earn our way to anything. All of the worship, all of the glory, all of the power is yours, Jesus. There's just one more thing I want to say, which is this. What the woman did, the Pharisee did, was public. 
It was for other people to witness, to experience, to be encouraged by, and challenged by. And this Easter, Easter Sunday, we are having baptisms here at Hope Community Church. Now, 22 people, January, February, March, 22 people have said yes to Jesus at Hope Community in 2019. 22 people between youth group and Sunday service. And if it's time for you, you've said yes to Jesus and you have not yet publicly said, that's what baptism is. It's publicly saying, I'm dying to my old life. I'm being raised into Jesus's life. That's happening Easter Sunday. So if you'd like to be baptized, we'd love to partner with you in that. 